0: Inside the Game brought to you by Radar Media. Welcome back to Inside the Game brought to you by Radar Media. It's stage 7 done and dusted of the 2019 Dakar Rally. Take 2 for us because Probably had about a 10-minute conversation uh, for the last 10 minutes before I realized that I hadn't pressed the record button. So, unfortunately, we're going to do it all again. Uh, I'm joined by the usual suspects in Waldo van der Waal and Hannes Fisser, But we've got a new man, Evan Hutchison, who's also new to Dakar 2019. Uh, Evan, multiple rally winner uh, in the special vehicle category back in South Africa. But uh, for the first time, I know you're going to repeat yourself, but uh, how are you enjoying the Dakar?
1: No, it's been awesome. It's a, what what an event. I mean, it's absolutely spectacular to be a and to suffer with everybody else and, and just realise what it's all about. You know, we, we we we've spoken quite a few times about how tough this is and why we're doing this. And it's three o'clock in the morning and you're waiting for somebody and we're trying to work out why why people do this. But uh, I think once you once you get into the groove and you realise what you're doing and why you're doing it, um, you realize how special it actually is. Yeah.
0: It's special and extremely tough. We all know it is difficult and uh, you mentioned in the previous conversation that we had that you do very much get two, ty- two categories of races and that you've got the few that are maintaining the lead up front but you've got the rest that are, as you put it, fighting for survival and, and looking to just finish.
1: Yeah, correct. It's. Uh, 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 we were in a stage uh, a few days back where we watched the start uh, of a particular stage and uh, NASA came flying through there and up and over the hill, probably in fourth or fifth gear. And uh, we sat there watching the field come through. Uh, we were supporting uh, Thomas Bell here and uh, he had a tough stage, he had rolled his car and got stuck in the canyon behind uh, Carlos Saints. I think he had taken a wheel off. So they had been pushed quite far back and by the time they got to the same little section, um, I mean, they were battling, they were doing less than half the speed uh, by the time they got over the top of the dune. So that was just a, s- a short little section, probably 400 meters and uh, you can just imagine when you take 5,000 kilometers of tough stage, it's it's, it's, a, different, it's a different world, uh, the, the route is churned up and the rocks are pulled out and uh, those, are s- those guys are fighting for survival, they're not fighting for seconds.
2: Even so, you are obviously uh, uh, eight times, I think, national uh, South African national cross country racing champion. But you're not here as a driver; you're in a supportive role. So maybe just uh, for those who don't know, just tell us exactly why you yeah, and what you, what are you doing here.
1: So I'll be, I got involved with uh, Tom Bell came to South Africa. He wanted to train for for the Dakar, and he chose South Africa as uh, as the training ground, recognizing that it's, it's a very powerful and, uh, and well-recognized championship. So, and I got to meet him there, and um, yeah, he requested some driver training and. Uh, so I've got I've been involved with the team for the last six months and getting uh, just the basic up, uh, getting cars set up and spares and a bit of driver training, etc. So I'm here as a mechanic, basically helping look after the car and give a, f- a few little pointers that I can uh, about driving, not necessarily about the Dakar. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 ground level here and uh, like I've said before, started the sport as a as a mechanic on the technical side and yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm here to do.
2: But after winning all those races and championships, surely your uh, backside must be
1: itching to. Uh to get into a car. Would you rather be as a driver with a helmet on? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. That's the one thing I did leave behind when I packed my bag. I say to everybody, one thing missing and that's my helmet. But, uh, you know, I grew up uh, just wanting to be able to race off-road and I managed to do that for a couple of years. We we won a few championships and um, I'm grateful for that. But uh, sort of got this Dakar out of my system, I think, after we won the Dakar Challenge back in 2012. Uh, I never managed to raise the funds to do it. And um, anyway, I got it out of my system and unfortunately, this is just, lit a new fire under my uh, proverbial arse. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I'm going to put a bit, bit of effort in trying to put something together. It's not easy, but, uh, yeah, uh, there's no doubt. That's what I want to do.
0: You mentioned raising the funds uh, to do it. I mean, it just goes to show that this, apart from being extremely tough, extremely challenging, it's also extremely expensive. I mean, it's not a cheap event to take part in. And uh, even more so, the higher the goal is.
1: Yeah, uh you know even to run at the back you know you, it, it's, it's an incredible amount of money back in the day when i wanted to get you it, was, it would have cost me more than our year's budget just to come and do this race and uh, so that puts it into perspective th- how expensive it is but i think that all f- sort of just fades away when when you talk about the deco it's just such a p- powerful brand and such a, a well recognized race that people say it's crazy and we're stupid and i'll never spend that amount of money and uh, until, until until the bug is bitten and you just you, you obviously you've got to be able to afford it or be able to raise the funds but I think you know you live one life and uh, it's all about adventures and dreams and uh, this, is, this is without a doubt one of those big one big adventure yeah.
2: Well Haji I've got very good news for you as Waldo said earlier you don't come to the Dakar as a youngster or a rookie or whatever with whatever money in the world you're not going to win it straight away it takes years and years of experience and uh, that's why there are no youngsters who have won this race they're all older people Carlos Sainz is way into his 50s. Janil is, I guess, what, 47 now. Uh, Bert is in his 50s. So there's hope for you, buddy.
1: Yeah, us old bald bastards, we've got somewhere to go, you know. Um, I always wanted to win the Dakar. I've realised that ain't going to happen, but uh, I think I've enough experience to come and enjoy the race and probably be able to keep my car going for long enough to enjoy it. Um, uh, You don't want to stick your neck out too too much and say how well you'll do at this race because you need a huge amount of experience. Um, But there's no doubt that uh, experience is is the most important thing, as you've said, uh, there's no young fast kids running around the block here.
3: Evan, having been around the South African Championship as long as you have, you've obviously seen uh, Glenn's Hiluxes in action for many years um, and obviously seen what they're capable of there. Has it changed your perception now that you see them running here in the dunes amongst the minis and Peugeots?
1: Yeah, um, they've always been exceptional cars and I think uh, we were a bit spoilt in South Africa. I didn't realize how, how strong our championship was until I'd done a, gone to a couple of international races. Um, yeah, they, they're very special vehicles and I, I think it says a lot for what, what we do in South Africa. Like I said, I had no idea how. You know, we, we try and race Junior in South Africa and we try and get as close to them as possible. Um, yeah, you, yeah, you get to see the, the experience in these cars and what they're actually made for. You know, we, we race a car that's built for the, for the Dakar on the world stage racing in South Africa but yeah, it's, it's, it's in its home terrain really. You know, This is what it's made for and uh, fortunately that's why, that, that, well that's why I, see, I, I see there in the front. That's, that's why they're up there.
3: Yeah, it's, it's almost ironic that we do use the South African Championship as a test bed for, for the Dakar effort um, but the races in South Africa are, are generally 400, 500 kilometers in length. There is the exception of the desert race which is a thousand but that's over a couple of days. But in in comparison to a Dakar stage, they'd be considered short, sharp sprints.
1: Yeah, correct. Um, I think uh, I haven't been out on the stages. Our, our racing, we have some super tough days. I think uh, if we had to take uh, nine or ten South African races in a row and put these guys through them, you'd get a slightly different result. You know, this is a whole lot of sand and uh, and some tough dunes, etc., etc. So it's quite different terrain. I can't speak about the dunes. I haven't been into them, but. Um, it's the sum of all here you know you've got to do it again and again day after day without making mistakes uh we were speaking earlier that um, you make a mistake you drop back and the further back you drag drop the more difficult it gets and uh, so yeah you need a clean run and uh, you've got to do it again and again
0: and i mean on that subject in terms of the further back you are the later you start the later you get back into the bivouac uh thomas bell um a couple of nights he spent out in the dunes i mean he put out a video the other night and i mean that pretty much encapsulates how tough it is. I mean, he looked absolutely buggered.
1: Yeah, yeah the guys, I mean, they, sh- they put on a strong face when they come into the pits, obviously, but they must be shattered. They've done 13, 14, 15 hours out in the dunes, sleeping in the dunes. They slept again in the dunes last night. Uh, they realized they weren't going to get out of stage and the fog had rolled in and uh, they, they reckoned the better idea was just get some sleep and try to get out the next day. So, you know, that's something we know nothing about back in South Africa. You know, race for 14 hours, sleep for three or four and go into another six or seven to get back to the bivouac it takes a special kind of person to succeed in those conditions and, um, and I think that's what makes this race so spectacular. Is you've, got, you've got hundreds of those people all together in the same place. It's, uh, I think that's what makes this such a special race. Yeah.
3: I think we mentioned it earlier that it's like a big bike race like the Argus and that sort of thing where you just see the guys in the front on television but you don't realize that there's 40 or 50 thousand people in the bike race behind them just struggling to get home and it's exactly the same with the Dakar when you turn on the TV show in the evening you see the front runners maybe the top 10 in each category, but what you don't realize is that there are literally hundreds of people trying to complete this race.
1: Yeah, th- well, you know, we watched it for years on TV and uh, we look forward to that quick half an hour or used to be an hour program and they go through each category and you get the top five or the top ten and, uh, and then there's one little segment that shows the other 250 people that are actually doing the race and make up the race. So that's sort of what we get used to, but once you're in the pits and you walk through the pits, those top five guys, you don't see them, they, they finish early, they off to the hotel. And um, it's, uh, you know, the rest of the rats and mice around the pits are working late at night, grinding and welding and coming in at c- crazy hours. They're exhausted. I mean, it's it's incredible. This, uh, a lot of the, the images you see of cars covered with d- dust-covered faces because their windscreens have fallen out uh, in, a, in a roll, etc. That's what makes up the race, and that's what that's what we're experiencing now. Yeah.
2: even just explain uh, to those who don't understand how it works. If you get in late, I mean, you can basically come in any time as long as you are in, uh, before your start time for the next day, so it means you can literally spend 24 hours on the stage, come in, refill, and go straight out, uh, okay. and
1: you'll still be in the race. Yeah, you've got you, you've got until the next day until you start the race the next day, which uh, which you need because <laughs> you haven't got that there'll be no one there. I mean, we were sitting last night at half uh, past two or three o'clock in the morning waiting for Tom to come out of a, a section of the stage still to go in to finish. Uh, and you've got, you've got 20 or 30 vehicles around you, service crews waiting for their guys, guys individual guys that have had their various problems. So, you know, it, it was incredible. To me, you know, we you, you, were walking around uh, waiting for someone at that time of the morning, and, and there's that many people still battling away in the dunes. And uh, Jurgen Schroeder came out of the dune, and uh, we stopped and had a quick chat to him, and he just he, he was tired, he was shattered, he was exhausted. And he said to us, "That's it." He's, he, was, he used some words I can't use in this interview, but he said, "You won't make it through those dunes. They're terrifying. They're dangerous." And he said, there's, n- "There's no one else coming. It's impossible. I'm the last one. You can forget about it. No one's coming." And we sat there and watched another 15 competitors come out through the stage, all <laughs> saying the same thing. So um, you know, it's an incredibly mental game. This. I think, uh, you know, no weak, no weak person or no weak character is going to succeed in this place. This is a this is a pit full of incredibly strong, courageous, tough people. Yeah.
3: And you also need a very, very tough vehicle to compete over here and that's something that we mentioned a little bit earlier but people don't realize that no one comes here and wins the Dakar on debut. Not, not a driver and not a manufacturer either. Both of them take time to develop into something that really works and I just quickly want to tell a little story which we hadn't touched on before. Um, I just saw the guys from Overdrive, our partners over here working on Aaron Domzala's Toyota Hilux. Um, it's actually um, just gone out for a wash now I think. But that car fell down a fairly sheer cliff um, to the point where they couldn't begin to recover the car. The team boss, uh, Jean-Marc Forteux, said to us, the only way they're going to get it out of there is with a helicopter. And that's exactly what happened. So yesterday, the Peruvian military actually assisted, went over there with a big helicopter and lifted the iLux out of the hole that it was in. It fell hundreds of meters that it went down. And not, not a sheer drop, but it rolled quite a lot and it and it got badly dinged up. But the interesting thing is they put it back on its wheels outside, fired it up and drove it home. Um, now it's been in the pits, they've repaired some of the body panels and it's ready to go back racing. And that's uh, the pedigree of a car that's been developed specifically for this. Um, and it's, it's nice to see that the cars that we develop in South Africa can actually take those knocks.
1: Um. The cars that come out of South Africa are, uh, are incredible. I'm super proud of all the South Africans. Just to be here uh, as a South African, uh, I met a few people walking through the pits. That, uh, you start chatting to them, they ask you where you are, where you where you come from, and you say South Africa. They open their eyes wide, and um, and I would imagine that's from 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 the pedigree of South African racing drivers and cars. You know, although uh, a lot of us are stuck in South Africa and don't get to see all these international races, a lot of the cars are out there. You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of a lot of Nissan's, Toyotas, um, and the Fords, and um, I think yeah, it comes back to the, the championship that we have in South Africa. is a hardcore championship, and there's a lot of passionate uh, racing drivers in South Africa. So, yeah, they're, they're super tough cars. We've had a, we've had our car uh, with one roll, and uh, you've got to be prepared to rebuild a car when it comes into pits. It's not about uh, checking brake pads and filling up uh, the fuel tank in a bit of water. You know, that's not what a pit stop is here. Yeah. Traditionally, there's a huge amount. You know, the guys are smashing into rocks, and we've we've been working, cutting, and grinding, and welding after accidents. And, uh, yeah, you you've got to be ready to do anything you need to do. Luckily the cars uh, are, are super tough, super strong and uh, I think as South Africans we can be very proud of, of what we put on the world stage.
3: Well, I can't agree with you more. I'm just sitting here looking over your shoulder, Evan, at uh, NASA's car which is being buffed and polished, getting ready for tomorrow. Um, today he made 1,600 gear changes in a f- four hours of racing. Um, he also got hit from behind by someone they replaced the rear quarter panel already. So the car's almost ready to go again. Um, and like you say, this is a, a, a top racing driver, the guy leading the Dakar. So, um, the amount of work the crew had to do was minimal compared to some of the crews?
1: Yeah, I think his mechanic to be quite grateful that uh, he's as good as he is, because to go to run at that sort of pace, out there leading the Dakar against the best in the world, and to bring a car back that's in, in such good clean condition just goes to show the pedigree of, of a racing driver like Nasa. I mean, uh, it's super tough, it, it really is. You take a walk further down the pits and you'll just see what the, the reality of, of what, what the conditions are like. I don't think his car sends out a very uh, a realistic uh, impression of, uh, of what the stages are like because uh, he's just, he's just a, a gifted child with the amount of talent he's got to bring it back uh, super clean like that, yeah. Cool,
3: thanks for that Evan. We've just um, also been joined by uh, Lance Woolridge himself, uh, a champion cross-country driver from the South African Championship. Lance, you're also uh, on the Dakar, is it your first visit here?
4: Uh, it's my second visit. We came over in 2014 when we bought our two Ford Rangers. Um, then I was on the, the service side and now a bit of a different role in a managerial um, with the two side-by-sides, so uh, it's definitely been a baptism of fire. How's it been so far? I remember that 2014 trip. Volder and I were,
0: were with you guys as well, uh, enjoying stuff immensely that time around. Um, this time,
4: uh, how, how are you experiencing Peru? It's definitely been... a uh, in a tough challenge uh, from the start we we were cast in the deep end getting some upgrades fitted onto the cars uh, in lima um but we've got a good team working and uh, Touchwood since then the race has gone really well um no major problems other than the usual belts and punctures um so the guys are happy they're running a good race just before you joined us evan was
0: chatting about how there are two major classes of competitors you get those the front runners that are of course in the minority and the rest that are fighting for survival and to conquer it, which ideally is a victory in itself. Um, you can't explain enough just how difficult this
4: race is. I mean, it is 24-7, there's very little sleep all work for two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, I don't know for sure the technicians become nocturnal. Um, they, they, they work all, the, all through the night and sleep all the day, if that. Um, you sleep where you can, when you can um and i think yeah like evan said it's it's just really really tough if we look in the the side by sides alone we're down to 22 from 35 starters cars i think 67 from 100 so i mean we still got three stages to go it's it's really tough
1: yeah you talk about how tough it is you know we've got a motto in our team that uh, that tom's running with and it's uh it's a winner finish. Uh, which the first time I heard it, I uh, sort of wondered how that works. But I think it, it's also <laughs> been put into put into perspective now. That uh, you know, j- just to fin- the finish this race for the majority of people is a massive is a massive win. You know, if you if you can get to the finish line, here, you go home proud of what you've achieved. And uh, and it's no mean feat. I'll, I'll say to anyone who meets anybody who's finished the Dakar, stand up and shake their hand and uh, let them yeah. tell you a few stories because this is a. Uh, this is not this is not a little one-day game, this is uh, it's an incredible, incredible adventure, it's super tough.
3: Um, Lance, interestingly, I was just thinking about it, years ago I went to see off your dad when he raced in the Dakar. Um, it was a start in Granada, uh, in the south of Spain, I went off there, and here I am with another Woolridge with us. So there's a bit of heritage in this race, uh, in the Woolridge clan.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, my dad's uh, a bit upset, he's not here enjoying, uh, well not enjoying, but experiencing the race with us. Um, but yes, uh, I think he, he's very proud of the, r- the race when he did it and, you know, their own challenges. They went through through canyons, they were the last car through, then the bandits stopped the race and held everyone hostage from there after. Um, uh, the one uh, day Kenny Scholtzhammer took the plastic off of his deodorant roll-on to use as a ball joint on the car. So, uh, you know, you get all those stories through Dakar, it's a, it's a real special time. No, it certainly is. I mean, of course, they're competing vehicles and competitors
0: and drivers and navigators, but I think from a South African perspective, you must be pretty chuffed to see a South African vehicle, a South African manufacturer, uh, currently leading the Dakar with Nassau Latia and
4: Mathieu Bommel in front. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, it's a fantastic achievement. I think uh, Glenn must be very proud and we don't want to curse it before it's all over, but it's, I think something that the team has all been working towards for years and years and years. And, uh, yeah, they're doing South Africa proud and the world, they're they, they are really at the forefront, so it's a really proud achievement for South Africa and Glenn.
0: Uh, you, uh, Valdir, you've got to mention a little earlier once again when we were off air, um, the number of gear changes that Nasser put in uh, in his shift today, it was uh, Stage 7, didn't quite win the stage, lost a bit of time to Mr. Dakar, Stefan Peterhansl, but uh, yeah, fill us in. Yeah, it was an interesting
3: stage for NASA today. Um, I, I, earlier I mentioned he made 1,600 gear changes in the, just over four hours of racing. Certainly a busy place inside the cabin of that uh, Toyota Hilux. Um, Nasser was, uh, wasn't was leading the stage to start off with he was second on the road but then the guy ahead of him Sebastian Loeb who won yesterday's stage ran into difficulties very early on It uh, seemed like it was electrical problems on his Mini or rather on his Peugeot I beg your pardon and he had to pull over and um, it took him quite a long time to get going again it looked like 40 minutes or so and this put Nasser um, in the lead again, and he was opening the stage for more than half of the stage until some of the minis caught him, and so he, he did lose a little bit of time today. Ten minutes uh, lost to Stefan Peter Hansel. It's a little bit more than he wanted to lose, but um, he's still got a healthy buffer at the moment of just over half an hour.
0: Evan, I saw you shaking your head there in astonishment uh, with regards to the, the number of gear changes.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's in a day. You're probably looking at 13,000. An, in an event, and uh, yeah, th- it just battles the mind and starts to put into perspective what this race is all about. And uh, yeah, I, it all comes back to you, you, you the Dakar's is one short, quick little word, and uh, but it's one big, long, tough race. And uh, yeah, experiencing it has been quite special. Uh, super proud as a South African to be here wandering through the various pits, um, talking to all the all the South Africans we know, the, the different mechanics and guys we've got to know over the years, and. Uh, to, to watch them uh, leading the race they've led the race for a couple of days now well, I think uh, since the start almost isn't it uh, yeah
3: yeah absolutely from it's the it's first stage it's
1: just um, for us us little South Africans it's, it's something quite special yeah
2: just uh, even from one South African champion to another Lancey, the current uh, production card champion back home um, Evan said he would have preferred to have his helmet here and race I uh, guess you feel the same way
4: yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I think if you're here and you're a racer, you're, it's, it's ingrained in you that you want to be racing. By no means would it be an easy uh, race. And I mean, speaking with our guys who are racing the UTVs, I said, would you be happier if you were here on the Rangers? No, 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 for sure. We'd be stuck 10 times more. Um, so it, it would definitely be a, a massive challenge, but I think it's the ultimate goal in every racer's mind to come and race here. Um,
3: you mentioned the Rangers obviously for those who don't know the, the Woolridge family is very strongly aligned with Ford with a very proud history and a championship winning car as well um, and we also mentioned uh, and, and Evan mentioned that over the um, the course of the race it could be 16, 17, 18,000 gear changes you obviously also de- build and develop your own cars uh, how do you feel about the reliability of these things and, and the expectation of reliability that's needed to bring a car to the Dakar
4: uh, It's massive I mean you you've got to have uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of kilometers behind you before you get here and um, you've got to have a, a complete well-oiled machine and you know you're coming here to finish the race guaranteed on reliability and you know what comes up on ifs and buts and driver errors you know that that will change your race but reliability has got to be your foremost conclusion
1: um yeah i was just going to add to you, we, we are with the nissan and um, one of the south african-built nissans and uh Tom, it's a tough race for him. He's a, he's, he's a rookie, dr- rookie driver here at the, at the Dakar he's only been racing off car cars for, for a few years. So, you know, he's dived in at the deep end and um, lucky for us, the car is at, at the level it's at because we don't have much time. And never mind coming in late at night. Some of the days he's coming in late in the morning. We've only got an hour or two to, to work on the car. And uh, Touchwood, so far, there's been very little mechanical failure on the car. Um, uh, and I think that is... Due to the, the the caliber of cars built in South Africa, the Nissan, the Ford, the Toyota, you know, we spoke. I've spoken about this a few times, and obviously it's uh, quite close to my heart that uh, what we do in South Africa is is quite spectacular. And if we didn't have a car that was that good, we, we wouldn't b- he wouldn't be in the race. So we've only had a few minutes some, or an hour here, and an hour there to fix the car. But fundamentally, they've, they've they've stayed strong, and we haven't had any mechanical issues. And looks like the Toyotas are the same. So yeah, if you to do a race like this, if you don't come here with a, with a with a, with a good weapon, um, a well-oiled machine. Uh as Lawrence put it, it's uh, just another one of these one of these factors in the in the in the puzzle that's going to make it difficult for yourself. Yeah,
0: Evan Lance, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, enjoy the final few days of the Dakar 2019, and we'll see you in Lima.
1: Look, can't wait for it.
0: Cool. Thanks, guys. Right from uh, Lance and Evan, we move over to a competitor, a man who is uh, well, he was leading the Dakar up until a couple of stages ago. South Africa's favorite uh, son and racing driver Janil Davillia. So, uh, we caught up with you a couple of days ago, but uh, how are you feeling now? Seven stages done, three to go?
5: Well, uh race is not over yet. Still a couple of stages to go. Uh, just looked at the, the description for tomorrow and it says it's going to be more difficult than today. Uh, but I don't quite trust that. I think. Um, You know, it can't be more difficult than today or yesterday. I think those were the most difficult stages. But yes, uh, we just got to be there. Um, We're two cars behind Nasser. we just got to be there and try and support him if he needs anything. But he's doing a great job at the moment. And uh, as far as the team goes, uh, that's very good for us. Uh, So myself and Bernard's job is just to uh, try and support him uh, to the end now.
0: It's amazing you speak about how difficult they say tomorrow is going to be. That's what they're saying about today. And after you came in... After stage six, you you said it's almost impossible for a stage to be tougher than it was yesterday. Do you still feel that way after experiencing stage seven?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, today wasn't uh, as hard as stage six. I think stage six was uh, more tough. But, you know, I've done 16 Dakar. I've come to know uh, how the guys work. And uh, they try to spice it up a little bit. And sometimes they put some things in the notes which are not really true. Or, you know, maybe they gone through. They went through, and there was a sandstorm, or uh, um, you know, uh, b- terribly hot conditions, or whatever. And it was difficult when they did it, but it's not necessarily. It wasn't today. It wasn't more difficult than yesterday.
3: Janil, just uh, on that, you said uh, 16 Dakars. That's te- uh, ten in South America, six in Africa. So you've you've been around. You've seen quite a lot of it. Um, and then just on the other side, Glenn and I were looking. Glenn, Hall, team boss, and I were just looking at the total race time. We're up at 25 hours already of um, racing, which is almost equal to the total race time that they achieved in 2017. So before we came, we thought this might be a little bit of a lackluster Dakar, 100% Peru, one country, not the same adventure. But just given the fact that we've raced so much already, and there's still three stages to go, it's clearly tough. But from your perspective, how does it compare to, to the other Dakars?
5: Yeah, look. I mean, it. It the stages have been hard. Uh, it's certainly been quite technical. I mean, the dunes here are quite difficult to, to drive in. Uh, they very. They are very soft, and they some places they're very difficult to read. So from that point of view, it has been tough. Um, but, I. I personally, I reckon the some of the toughest Dakars I did was in Africa um i don't know if it was because i was still a, a rookie and i was still learning the the ropes and then obviously you don't know what to expect and then it always feels tougher than it is um, there's been a couple of tough ones in in south america 2009 uh, the first one year was extremely tough they had to cut or shorten so many stages because the competitors couldn't finish um, so you know this year they haven't shortened the stage it's been going pretty well but Having said that, it has been extremely tough, you know, and um, that's what it should
0: be. The race shouldn't be easy. oh that's good to hear. And uh, I know we've mentioned it a lot of times since it's happened, but just, again, talk us through that Stage 3 disaster.
5: Yeah, I mean, that was, <coughs> you know, it's just one of those things. Um, that's where you need a little bit of luck in the race, you know, uh, to win this race. It's, it's over so many days. Um, you know, <coughs> today we saw with... Um, sebastian loeb you know he lost um (coughs) sorry anything um i think close to half an hour uh, with the electrical problem and um that's the luck you need um we were just unfortunate to um to hit a rock uh in a in a in a road uh, in the dust of a quad and we just hit it um in the wrong place for us it broke the engine mounting and then the engine dropped onto the oil filter and that expired 70 kilometers later you know but I mean one of the, the those are the things that happen I mean I, two three days uh, ago I hit um, I hit another rock but in the middle of the of the sump card and nothing happened so you know things like that happen and it's part of the race and you got to accept it um, it's unfortunate obviously you're disappointed to do it but that's the reason why you come to a race like this with three or four cars because um, you need to spread your risk
0: yeah, disappointment from a, a personal perspective but of course, uh, delight from a team perspective in that still leading the race, we've got Nasser and Mathieu, uh, the lead uh, whittled down to just under 30 minutes, uh, breathing down their neck is Mr. Dakar, Stefan Pedansel, but with three stages to go, you willing to place your bets? Well, I mean, it is looking good for Nasser now,
5: definitely, and um, as far as as, as as the team goes, uh, all of us in the team, you know, it's a tremendous effort that's been put in by everybody. Uh, I hope we can keep it there, uh, but the race is not over yet. Tomorrow um, is a very tough day. Day nine is a very tough day. Maybe the last day is not uh, is is a little easier, but it's still 110 or 20 k's to do. Uh, but let's hope, you know, let's hope uh, Nasser can can do it. I mean, he's 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 um, he's won the Dakar twice. He knows how to do it. He's a very very good. Uh, uh, driver so um, uh, I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed and uh, you
2: know we'll try and follow him uh, home as close as possible. Janil, as far as your own position is concerned I think uh, over the 14 or 15 events that you've done you've only ever finished outside of the top 10 once if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's not impossible you can still make it into the top 10 in on this one as well I think.
5: Well, the race is not over. It's it's going to be... I'm going to need a lot of luck for that to happen. A couple of guys will need to drop out. But, um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep on trying. We'll keep on uh, doing every stage as best as possible. And then we'll see what happens. It's it's highly unlikely, but um, it's not impossible.
0: Good Bernard Yeah, Let's have one final thought from uh, Bernard and Brinke as he joins us. Come, have a seat. The South Africans want to listen to you. As, uh, we've got Janil still... Ra- we're going to wrap up anyway. But... Uh, Bernard, three stages to go. Uh, how are you enjoying things? We've uh, had the breakdown from Janil. Um, yeah, tough out there today. Uh, but as a team, Frederick is Racing South Africa in a very happy position.
6: Yes, I think uh, that we uh, we are now on a good position uh, after our mechanics. And it's uh, it's of course um, it's yeah it's it's not uh, not what we want. Eh? We want to uh, to win, of course. We want to be more in the front, but. Uh, NASA d- uh, does a very good job. Uh, he's now of course leading and um, I'm now P9 overall. Janil is uh, just behind me and uh, yeah,
0: maybe we can uh, finish uh, with us three in the top ten. Should be nice. I see Janil smiling there. You guys have a great relationship the two of you. I see you outside of the cars, uh, always chatting. We had d- dinner and breakfast the other night with you two and uh, full of jokes uh, so there's a friendship beyond the fact that you're just teammates.
6: Oh, of course, uh, we are teammates and uh, we, <laughs> we have this, this week uh, something uh, together and uh, this is that we have uh, uh, a little bit bad luck. And uh, this is this is not nice, but uh, Janil is very fast and a uh, very stable driver, but this year he has uh, very bad luck and that's the same for me. And uh, now we must uh, put Nasa to the win and, uh, and let Toyota win the Dakar and uh, we follow
0: uh, with us too brilliant stuff uh, Bernard, Janil good luck uh, for the remainder of the Dakar Rally 2019 we'll be catching up with you of course over the remaining three stages as we head towards Lima uh, a coming up tomorrow uh, as they have been all throughout uh, Hannes thanks so much Vold who's also left us it's uh, been another good day for Toyota, Toyota Gazoo Racing South Africa uh, we'll catch up in stage 8 as we head to Pisco cheers thanks for listening to Inside the Game
1: Brought to you by Raider Media.